Thanks for tuning in to today's Horsewoman podcast. Our show explores women in the horse industry as they share their dreams, challenges, successes. What drives these women? Well, let's find out. Hi, this is Rose Cushing, and I am the host of today's Horsewoman podcast. We're very happy today to have as our guest Stephanie Davis. Stephanie is an inventor, and I know you're going to be excited to learn more about eventing and Stephanie's how Stephanie approaches the sport. So, Stephanie, tell us a little bit about you. Um, so, I, I have evented the majority of my life, but um, the bigger part of myself is that I'm a veterinarian. So I'm a sports medicine veterinarian and have had my own practice with, together with my husband for about 10 years. Uh, that's David Equine. Last year, we opened up a rehab center uh, called Virginia Equine Rehabilitation and Performance Center. It's a bit of a mouthful, so I tend to shorten it to VRC. Uh-huh. Um, but that's my kind of current, current business right now that I'm spending a lot of time with. Um, and if, as if I need more to do, I also own a medical ID bracelet company called RideSafe that I'm very passionate about, and I'm a mommy of a perfect little five-year-old girl, Henley. Aw. So, <laughs> uh, I didn't realize that you were a veterinarian. That's awesome. <laughs> so, do you practice a lot of sports medicine or just general overall veterinary practice? I do. We do a lot of sports medicine. Um but we always tell all of our clients, you know, if they can't breathe, if their heart doesn't work well or their body condition is poor, it doesn't really matter if they're limping or not because they still won't be able to perform. So we do try and, you know, pay close attention to the whole horse, um, but we do a lot of lameness and diagnostic imaging and, you know, um, there's a lot of, so many, that's a whole other conversation, but a lot of orthobiologic um, products on the market that we use that we use quite a bit. And there's still a lot of learning to go um, on that front, but we really are enjoying all the science that's contributing to us treating our horses better every excuse me every year, and we try and improve and try and keep um, prevention more the more of the plan versus just catching up with therapeutics and treatment. I, I'm amazed at how much. Um research is going into equine sports medicine. You know, I interviewed a recent graduate from NC State vet school, and she was specializing in that, and she was going over some of the things with me. So that is wonderful how they've been able to expound on the things that are available for horses. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's amazing, and I feel really grateful and lucky. I have a lot of um, colleagues who are, you know, at my fingertips who are specialists in lots of different areas. Uh-huh. So even though, you know, my husband and I are still a bit kind of out in the field just trying to get some of the work done, you know, we, we have people that we can reach out to and say, you know, what, what's the newest bit of information coming down the line? Are we do, making the very best choices we can with what we know at the moment? So let's back up just a minute and tell me a little bit about how you got into horses. Um, I was bit by the bug, I think, very early in life, like a lot of us are. Um, I think I had my first riding lesson when I was six or seven. I do not come from a horse family whatsoever. Um, I started actually riding at a western barn and did barrels and poles, and my best friend and I, um, we 
somehow came across a camp at this barn that happened to be an event barn, but also um, had a pony club. And we did the camp just the one time, and that was that was the end of that. <laughs> right. From then on, you know, it was all about event skiing. I did pony club, you know, my whole young life, um, which I did an incredible program for teaching horsemanship and safety and just knowing more about the animal, you know, knowing about this tool that you're using and playing with, you know, the more you know about them, the better you can train them and take care of them. So I think that also drove my passion for um, Saturday medicine as a whole because the more I kept learning, you know, even I was just a little kid learning anatomy, you know, because that's what Pony Club requires. So I think that was just kind of the beginning of my path. That that's really good. I, you know, Pony Club is so amazing, and it has done so much to encourage kids to get into equine sports. Yeah, absolutely. I wish it was. Um, they, you know, they, there were more of them. To be quite honest, because there's so many clientele. I know they have expanded for adults too, which I think is great. Because there's just some people that don't get the exposure to horses till later in life, right? And then they're missing out on all that education that they could get from that program. Right, absolutely. Uh, almost every successful person that I interview um, is either 4-H or Pony Club or FFA. So, you know, yep. they, they build absolutely. some good foundations there. Yeah, I completely agree. I also did 4-H for a little bit as well. But once we discovered that Pony Club, I was very lucky. It was a small group of like eight girls. And we all, you know, became friends. I mean, we're still friends to this day. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have a particular breed of horse that you enjoy doing eventing when you're doing it, or just riding in general? Yeah, honestly, um, I don't have a specific breed. I've ridden thoroughbreds and warmbloods and crosses and kind of everything in between. I mean, I currently have a warmblood, but, um, you know, it's more, for me, it's more the partnership and the connection with that specific horse um, and the type of ride that they are that helps me kind of choose, choose the horse that I want to spend my time with. Right, right. And, and different seasons of your life, you have different wants and needs, too. Yeah. Like, I'm older now, Absolutely. and I want something that I can drop my guard and just relax and enjoy the journey. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't want to fight. <laughs> I've ridden the, you know, I did in college, I did the riding the racehorses and breathing them, and now I look back and I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Me too. I rode some wild cow ponies, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm good. I've done that. <laughs> Absolutely. So do, is your husband, does he ride as well? He used to. Um, you know how balancing your hobbies and your careers is a challenge. So he um, really mostly spends his time in the vet truck and he's just working and working um we're hoping to actually hire some new veterinarians very shortly because we're kind of at max capacity the two of us at the moment so um we really could use another hand and then maybe he could spend some time either on a horse or on the golf course i don't really care i just want him to be able to relax a bit (laughs) sometimes yeah the veterinary shortage is really really hitting us all hard in north carolina there is such a shortage that a lot of emergency cases, there's nobody to see them because there's nobody available. Yeah, it, it is actually a huge problem, honestly, in most of the publications that we get. Um, 
at least one article every single magazine is talking about the shortage of equine veterinarians and how we're trying to strategize to do something about it in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I don't really have any, I wish I had a magical answer um, because the challenges are very steep, so the hill we have to climb is big. Um, but coming out of school, have an enormous amount of debt, our salaries don't match that. The quality of life is it's great. Of course, we love our job, but we're working, you know, pretty much nonstop. Um, I think some practices, I think it's geographic a little bit, too. Some practices in certain areas have kind of created a sweet spot where, you know, their associates are working four days a week, um, and they rotate the emergency in certain ways. But small practices like ours, you know, it's just the two of us, so we don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't really have a choice. Um, so, you know, it's, it's evolving the business model and how you approach um, the work and but still being able to accommodate the clients so that they get what they need as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, this is a message to our listeners. Be nice to your veterinarian. You know, if <laughs> so many people aren't and they don't pay them, and then they wonder why there's a shortage. Well, you know, if you go in a customer service position and a customer's nasty to you, you don't want to deal with them anymore. So use that common sense and be nice. Forgive yeah, me. That's I mean, my rant for the yeah, moment. I feel like, yeah, I mean, I feel like goes across all industries. But this, because it's physically and mentally demanding, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just one or the other. Um, I think we just you know, can fatigue really quickly. And, and like you said, there's more demands than there are of us. So we're be, starting to now be spread really thin. And we can only do so much in a day. And, and that really does make it really tricky. I mean, I, my husband and I are very, very lucky. Like, we have amazing clientele um, in this area. But I know other other places geographically, you know, there's like one or two vets servicing hundreds of horses. And they just can only do so much. That's right. That's absolutely right. And, and you know, it, and, and then you're not a miracle worker. You can only do what you can do. But it's a very hard exactly. profession. And a lot of the young vets coming out of school now, you know, they're starting to see this as a global, you know, big problem. And, you know, for them individually, they are looking at their bank account and they owe hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the easier path is to do small animals. It's more lucrative. Um, not necessarily always a better schedule. Lionel best work really hard and really long hours as well. So, you know, it's tricky, but at least they're getting compensated financially. Where yeah. and it's a problem that I'm, like I said, I'm not really have an answer. I just see that in small animal you can do a large volume. Where horses, particularly sports medicine, you're going to spend three four hours just working up the case. Yes. So being able to do the volume and make X amount of dollars in one day is sometimes just really challenging when you can't do it. I know. Um, and particularly an ambulatory, right? You know, hospitals are different. They're set up to take a larger caseload. But the reality is the clients need ambulatory vets. They need us to be able to come to the farm, particularly in emergency. So it's that, that part of the industry really needs to change so it can thrive. I agree. I, I used to have a multi-state regional magazine and, you know, people, I didn't, it took me a long time to understand why it was so hard, but it was so hard because my clients 
were maybe 50 miles apart. And, you know, so you had a lot of time just getting there to do what you had to do. And I'm sure it's the same for you. When they all come to you, it's different. Yeah. And you also, you know, the other other problem, you know, as far as ambulatory, you have to keep everything you could possibly need on the truck. Yes. You don't really know necessarily what you're going to encounter. Right. There's a lot of money sitting on the vehicle that you may or may not use or need. But it still needs to be there just in case. So it's, it's just a really, it's a really challenging business model, and I kind of learned that over time. And when I developed a business model for the rehab center, that was something that I was realizing that this one doesn't have. It has just as much overhead. Don't get me wrong. And Aqua Tread is not cheap. Um, but I think um, you know keeping inventory as far as pharmacy and stuff like that is so far less. So it's actually a bit of a better business model. Right. Right. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Hey, y'all. This is Lonnie from Mule City Specialty Feeds located in Benson, North Carolina. It's almost springtime. Is your horse blooming? Does your horse have a shiny coat and healthy hooves? How much extra time and money are you spending mixing supplements in the feed room when you could be enjoying your horse in the arena or out on the trail? Then look no further. Mule City Specialty Feeds has a line of equine feeds that delivers maximum nutrition. From your performance horse to your weekend trail horse, our line of maximum nutrition equine feeds offers five different complete balanced formulas that will take you out of the feed room and into the saddle. In addition to equine feeds, we also offer complete feeds for your barnyard pets and livestock. For more details, visit our website at mulecity.com, follow us on Facebook, or give us a call at 1-800 587-9229 and don't forget Mule City delivers you've accomplished so much what's left on your bucket list oh gosh um, well the next kind of step I would say for us um, the rehab currently houses 12 horses um, I actually just got three new stalls within a month and they were filled. So I am going to need to expand because now I'm getting full and creating a wait list and then I, I, I get anxious that I'm not accommodating the clients the way that they would like. Um, so eventually I think we're going to expand the rehab center and then probably, you know, like I had said earlier, hire a couple of veterinarians to help us on the ambulatory front. So that would be really exciting. Um, the other thing I'm really, really passionate about that's completely non-veterinary is my um, ride safe business that we are trying, we're starting to now convert to call B-Safe Bracelet because, um, well, essentially my biggest emphasis was a couple years ago I was diagnosed with breast cancer and, you know, went through all of that. I'm, I'm doing really well and I was very, very lucky. I essentially, I tell everybody I had baby cancer and it was, it was, very small. We caught it very early. Radiation surgery. I'm just on medication. You know, I I feel fine. So all that part is good. But I kind of mentally realized, why don't I have things for a, you know a medical ID bracelet outside of the horse industry? There's plenty of other people who could need it. And so then I created Survive Safe, and that's actually the bracelet that I wear every day. Um, but it's still the same product. So there's so many other people that I feel that I could reach with that. So that's really kind of my next big thing, honestly, mm -hmm. that I hope that I can reach far more people 
it seems like such a silly tool, but when an emergency actually really happens, you know, your brain falls right out of your head. You can't think. You don't know what to do. And if the patient is not coherent, even, you know, let's say they're not completely knocked out, but they are confused or have head trauma, you don't, they don't know the phone number of who to call to start the ball rolling, you know, once you know, once 911 is called and, hey, you need to contact my mom or my husband or my wife or whatever it is, um, and if you have that just on your on your person, on your bracelet, no matter if it's a car accident, a horse accident, which, of course, is common in our industry, right. um, you know, there's just so many scenarios where it could expedite your care. Um, make sure, you know, if you have a medical allergy that the EMTs would know that immediately. It just really can expedite your care and make an emergency far less stressful. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, how can folks listening find out more about your bracelets? Oh, sure. Um, so right now, the website to go to is team, like you and I are part of a team, uh-huh. com. And eventually, we'll we'll be turning it to be safe bracelets, but I I am terrible, terrible at IT, but I believe, you know, RiseSafe will then, if you went to the RiseSafe bracelet website, it will go to the BeSafe bracelet. Right. So we'll right. find a way to make it simple so it doesn't get lost. Well, you know, what a wonderful gift for people. And I, what crosses my mind, oddly, was, you know, if you have children that are getting into riding, that would be a great thing to give you peace of mind. Oh my gosh! Yeah, there's no. Well, I don't want myself to ride anyway, to be honest. Um, which everyone always laughs at. Um, but <laughs> causes so much anxiety because yes. I just know horses too well. <laughs> um, she has a ride safe bracelet anyway because my babysitter will take her, you know, out to go do some fun things during the day while my husband and I are working. Uh-huh. And you know, she has our numbers, but you know, just in case if she wasn't there or somebody, somebody caught her first for whatever happened, you know, I, I want that information on her person. I agree. I think that's very smart and what a, what a wonderful thing. So, you know, everybody out there, listen, this is going to be a good little stocking stuffer for the riders in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Or anybody, you know, any medical condition or anybody that, you know, especially the other thing I was thinking about too are, um, you know, a lot of elderly people who can't remember what medications they're on. You know, and if something happens, they're like, what are you taking? They have no idea. It can be engraved on the bracelet or the secondary layer of the bracelet is there's a custom engraving on the plate itself, but there's also a medical um, profile online that the wearer will fill out themselves. So you can put as much or as little medical information on there that you care to share, sorry, um, and then... Um, a first responder on the back of the plate, there's a number. Um, they can type in a number and then they can gain access to that medical profile. That is so there's really more fun. information on the plate and then there's a more detailed information once the patient is stabilized um, for when they need to make a bigger and more long-term plan for the patient. That is really thorough. That is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, we worked on it for a long time. Yeah. Um, that business actually is about 10 years old as well. Very well thought out, without a doubt. Thank you. Now, my last question, because I know you're on a busy schedule today. Um, sure. 
when the horse industry is a hard industry to make a living, no matter what facet of it you enter into, what advice would you give women coming into our industry today on how to be successful? Because, you know, the veterinary industry is particularly hard. I remember a time when they wouldn't even let a woman in veterinary school. Yeah, now you know there's more women than men by far. By far. At least when I graduated, it was for sure at least 80-20. Yeah. So 80% women. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the one thing that I would say in the horse industry as a whole is, of course, everyone goes in it for their passion for the animal, for the sport, and every single one of us wanted to go to the Olympics when we were little. Um, I think the best thing you can do is get yourself an education or skill in business. Because it's a, it's a tricky business, and if you're not, you know, and truthfully, even just a boarding facility, right, is, is not lucrative. It's just a zero-sum game. So I think um, people need to be creative and consider um, their business skills and then create or develop, I suppose, other skill sets that can give you a competitive edge and that makes you look different. Um, because there's lots of horse facilities out there. And there's lots of horse trainers. And most of them are really good riders. So I don't think, you know, I think when we were younger, you think, oh, if I'm the best rider, if I'm the most competitive, if I win most of the horse shows, everybody's going to want to train with me. Which to some degree, yes, you probably should be successful in your riding. But if your business is organized, people walk in your barn and they're like, wow, I could eat off this floor, you know, and the quality of the care and every detail that you put into it, I think that really goes a long way, and that's something that you can do for free, so to speak, right, the quality of the work and the skill set that you have as far as running the business, you bill all time, on time, you know, everybody knows what to expect, you have good and thorough contracts, just all those kind of details. That honestly, I had learned completely on the fly over right. the years. <laughs> I have zero training in business, and man, I wish I had a business degree. So um, I think it's something where that I've learned where my lack was is what I would encourage other people to gain because um, it will make your life so much easier. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, it is a business, and if you don't, if you're not prepared, you won't do well. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean. You can be an excellent rider, but if you don't know how to gain um, clientele, owners, put together syndicates, you know, all the stuff that goes into it, just getting these horses to upper levels, it, it won't matter. It really won't matter. You can be the best rider in the ring, but if you don't have the horse or the owners or the program set up to get there, you won't get there. That's right. Absolutely. I have certainly enjoyed talking with you today. Remind my listeners one more time how they can find you and your bracelets. Oh, sure. Um, okay, well, I can, there's a few ways to find me. Um, DavisEquine.com is our veterinary website. Um, Virginia Equine Rehab is our rehabilitation business and, and website. And then Team Ride Safe is uh, my bracelet business. So there's lots of ways to find me, and terrifyingly enough, my cell phone number is plastered all over all of the <laughs> So I do, um, you know, relationships with our clientele is very, very important to us. 
And, you know, so we try to be extremely accessible for conversations, you know, even outside of what's going on with the horse. We can help you. We're, we're going to try. So um, this is kind of more of a lifestyle for us than a career. And, um, yeah. Very nice. That's what we do. <laughs> Where in Virginia are you? Um, our ambulatory practice bus home office is in the Plains, Virginia, uh-huh. and the rehab is actually in Warrington, but it's 10 minutes from our home, so okay. we're really lucky on the location front. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you. Same. Thank you so much for having me. And as always, you folks listening, thank you so much. We appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Our souls wander in similar places. Even though we may not know each other, we touch the same wind, we walk under the same sky, and our hearts wander in the same dreams. We are one, women just like you and me. Thank you for listening.